Cosmos with Cosmos. Yeah, I kind of butchered that anyway. But welcome to Cosmos with Cosmos. As always, I'm Mike. I'm Liz. No, Brandon. No. Brandon's at the airport. He's on assignment. Back on assignment. Back on assignment. Welcome to episode 98, where we talk about one Percival Lowell. Yeah. The man who built an observatory to find life on Mars, but the observatory found a planet instead. Which became a dwarf planet. Which then... <laughs> and then planet status. But definitely recommend if you're in a, in the Flagstaff area of Arizona, Flagstaff checking Arizona, out the yeah. observatory. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking about Percival Law today and um, all that. But uh, before we get started, what you drinking? Oh, I am drinking uh, a hot Percy. <laughs> a hot Percy. A hot Percy. It's uh, some apple spice cinnamon tea with uh, some bourbon. Oh, you have apple spice tea? Yeah. In my nice. in my backup drink, actually, I, I uh, um, because I only have one packet of the apple spice cinnamon tea left, so my ba- my second drink, I have a lemon orange tea oh. um, with the bourbon and some... That's uh, going to... So that's a true, like, hot toddy kind of... Your backup's to true hot toddy. Well, yeah, with more of the lemon and the bourbon. You know, mm-hmm. usually you don't use tea. You just do, like, warm... You just do hot water, you know, with it. Um, and then I, but I also added some brown cinnamon sugar syrup mm. uh, to it because you know, in a hot toddy, you would do like brown sugar or like like a simple syrup with the lemon and the bourbon. So it's it's been rainy here. Uh, it's very wet outside and nice and chilly in fall. The leaves are changing, so I wanted something a little warm. We'll see how long the sweatshirt lasts on me. Uh, as I drink this hot beverage, <laughs> uh, but yes, it's cozy and uh, actually I haven't tried it yet. Let's see. I like the slurp. And it's good. Ooh, it's good. It's good. Jack Tabasco cinnamon hot cocoa, spicy and sweet. I don't know. I haven't been a big fan of like like the Mexican chocolates where they have like the the spiciness with the chocolate. I don't know about it. But, so you're not but, sure about Tabasco? And and the uh, and yeah. the chocolate, yeah. But I, I, I well, you know. It's adventurous. I, I would try it. I would try it. Well, we don't have Tabasco though. We'll need to get some. No, we have Franks. We have Franks. Yeah. All okay, right. What are you drinking? I am it's called Planet X. It's got um uh it's got what is it got? It's got vanilla <laughs> vodka, cinnamon whiskey. Um, Snapple Apple. Snapple Apple. Um, and, um, Snapple. Uh, cinnamon brown sugar syrup. And oh, so, we both use spr- cinnamon brown sugar syrup. What except mine it? is cold. I can't do, uh, um, I can't do the, the hot. Oh. I mean, I have to be in the mood for hot. Yeah, drinks. no. Once it gets, once it starts getting cooler out, then I like to have, like, I drink tea. I drink, I drink a lot of tea every day. Just regular tea, not spiked tea um but i just bought a whole bunch of teas on amazon although i wish i got more green tea i need more green tea Uh, i got a lot of different black teas um and some sleepy you know not caffeine free teas for the evenings but Mm -hmm. you'd be great in england hello governor you like some tea and crumpets i'd be very cockney very cockney british i take back everything i just said (laughs) Like I said, we're going to start a war. Anyway, uh, follow us on all the things um, on Twitter, because I refuse to call it the other thing. Um, which call is, it Twix. Oh, wait, that's already <laughs> trademarked by... 
Twix. Twix. <laughs> um, Twix anyway, up. follow us on Twitter um, at Drinking Cosmos. It's Cosmos with Cosmos with for everything else. Uh, rate us on everything, um, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Um, don't forget to join us for the hangover and after. Click like and subscribe. Because that's what everybody's yeah. apparently. Oh, yeah. We don't have a button, right? Um, it comes up at the end. <laughs> uh, don't forget to join us for the hangover after this uh, amazing episode where we talk about Percy. Per- Not Percy Jackson. <laughs> Not the lightning thief. No, oh, we're the, talking about Percy the Lowell. Planet um, Thief. What? Percy Lowell, the Planet Thief. The Planet Thief, yeah. <laughs> um, also, while you are perusing the interwebs. While you're just scrolling, don't, doom scrolling and otherwise. Yeah, go to um, Etsy and check out Wild Ixia. Wild Ixia. Ixia is I X I A. Check out all her amazing art. Also, check out the Mr. Proctor Show. Uh, I think it also is Mr. Proctor Show Sucks or something. Or Ron we Proctor really need sucks. to stop doing this every single episode know, and actually right? look it up. And, and Well, by the time we get to the end of the episode, I forgot. Oh, Jack says X is pronounced uh, sh. Uh, sh. She. So Twitter becomes shitter. <laughs> like it. I yeah. Like it. Um, yeah. And also, speaking of Jack, if you are in the Council Bluffs, Iowa area, then check out the Rolling Bluffs Planetarium. You can find out more information about what Jack is up to at rollingbluffsplanetarium.com. Have I ever mentioned before that the band Slipknot is from Iowa? During a podcast when we that talk explains about... That explains a lot. That explains a lot. Anyway, every time we, every time we talk about Jack's Planetarium uh, and we say Iowa, I always think of Slipknot. Just Slipknot pops in my head briefly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, also the shot, little shot size nuggets Just of astronomy, shooters of astronomy, shooters of astronomy, it. astronomy shooters, astronomy shooters, astro shooters. Can we trademark that? Astro shooters. Anyway, um, that's every other Wednesday. When's the next one coming out? Because the calendar's all crazy. We just had one come out on November 1st, the day after Halloween, and that shot is about Halloween! So check it out. Because I messed up my shot release dates and when the episodes came out. <laughs> Alright, so check out the shot. Um, it, it, I think it's one of our most favorite things to do. Yeah, we love doing the shot. We love doing the shots. Um, it's dangerous, but we love doing the shot. <laughs> yeah. um, also, we have rules. This first one is probably going to be... Um, addressed at some point today if the if a dog barks and in the notes it says puppy bark and we have a legit we puppy have a legit in puppy. the house we so, have a legit puppy you know oh, mira is just oh so adorably sweet it's just the sweetest thing the if, sweetest thing you know what? wants to play maybe maybe in the hangover will mike will pick her up and bring her in and then pick her up and put her back out because yeah. if she's on her legs the whole set our set it, yeah, will, will be destroyed. destroyed but maybe we'll give her her little her first little cameo um, also, if there's a Star Wars reference or Lord of the Rings reference, take a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's talk Percy here, not the rover. Um, Percival Lowell. Oh, it's not Perseverance Lowell. Such a rich fucking name, Percival. 
Meanwhile, uh, Acadian chat says, Potato is demanding a walk. She'll be listening in back soon. That's Potato is her cat. Everybody, Potato is a black oh. cat, a feisty black cat. Feisty. She demands Big, walks. Right, Not walks. She doesn't have a harness. She goes in a backpack and she takes a walk with this little astronaut backpack. It's got a little with, bubble for her face but to just the, look the out. the brightest yellow eyes. Oh, God, she's beautiful. Pose the perfect like, Halloween she's cat. She's the perfect anyway, Halloween Anyway. Cat. Let's focus. Okay. I can't believe I got to reel you. You are in charge. When I'm All in right. charge, I got to so, reel you in. Um, brief bi- uh, biography. I was going to say biology. A brief biology of Percival Lowell. What's his, does he have a middle name? Uh, yes. I did not write oh, it down. Okay. <laughs> um, Percival Plutarch. It's something. It's something. I, yeah, I didn't write it down. Anyway, March 13th, 1855. First. Oh, no, no, on March 13th. I was thinking, because Katie's birthday, it was, it's a different month. It's the 13th. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, oh. Two months earlier, yeah. plus, like, a couple centuries. All right, 18. Anyway, 1855, a Percival Lowell, born in Beantown, which is where? It starts with a B. Boston. Boston. I want it to be Chicago. I know, because they have the big bean. They have the big bean, so they they should be Beantown. This is my argument for life in a hill that I will die on. A bean that I will die on. I will die on that bean. Anyway, um, Percival Lowell, born March 13th, 1855. Um, Like Jesus, we have a gap in the years from birth to the next time he shows up. Oh, just... (laughs) What was he doing in that gap? Just tootling, just... Learning carpentry. Building furniture. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he graduated from Harvard with distinction in 1876 with oh, a degree in mathematics. Hey, with distinction. Yeah. With it. So he did he did well at Harvard. He did well, yes. Uh, yes. Very smart guy. Um, in fact, at his graduation from Harvard, he gave a speech. And he gave a speech about the nebular theory, which is a theory about how the solar system formed. Uh, and it was considered advanced at the time. And this dude just finished college, you know? And so... He just finished uh, college and he's... Yeah, and not even in astronomy. The mathematics is what he goes yeah, to Yeah, but so. I, you need math to do astronomy, so... So things are looking up for Percival. And what does he do? Look up. Well, well not yet. Not yet. <laughs> he kind of looked down. He oh. ran a cotton mill for six years. As one does. You graduate Harvard with distinction. In Talk about the f- formation of the solar system or whatever. And, and then go, I'm going to run a cotton mill. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess you got to make money. It is, you know, industrial height of the industrial. Is, he doesn't need to make money. He's rich as fuck already. His oh. family is really rich. Oh, oh, they're rich Bostonites or something. Yeah. Like. And so, mm-hmm. um, in fact, there was a quote. It's, it's in that um, A Short History of Everything book that uh-huh. we were reading. By Bill Bryson, A Short History of Nearly Everything. Of nearly it's a everything. great book. Um, I didn't look it up. I, could, I tried to find it online. didn't look it up. We went and got a cheeseburger, so then forgot about it. But uh, there there is a quote about um, the lulls mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and basically the hierarchy of Boston and just below God is are the Lowell's. Really? That is, that is how high up I mean, I've read the book, so I should know are. that, but, you know, I That's how high up in society they are in read, Boston. So. Wow, it, okay. Anyway, so it's starting in 1876, he runs a, uh, a cotton mill for six years and then decides in the 1880s he's going to go travel throughout Asia. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's seems i don't know just world travel um before airplanes 
Yeah, it takes a while to get there, right? It seems like just so. a nightmare. I mean, so he goes to Japan and Korea, and he actually writes four books. He writes four books. And on... this is when Korea was a one Korea. Yeah, that was, and I did think about that actually today. I was thinking about it, and so um, he goes to Japan and Korea. He he writes four books about Japanese and Korean culture. Oh wow! I didn't know yeah. he was an anime fan. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, in 1883, he served as a foreign secretary and counselor for the U.S. diplomatic mission to Korea. Wow, okay. Yeah. He only lived in Korea, though, for three months. And then, I guess he went did more Did he learn Japan. any Japanese, Korean? I'm sure he did. It was not mentioned, oh, but I'm okay, sure he did. Okay. Um, enough to write books um, yeah. and all that. While in Asia in 1892, he became a fellow... At the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. And the next year, he decides he's going to move back to the U.S. And so now he comes back to the U.S. How old is he now? How do people have time to accomplish all these things in their lives? He, I guess there's no... <laughs> he, is, uh, he is 38 years old at this point. That's... Ish. So That's, uh, demoralizing <laughs> for myself. Yeah, yeah, what have you done with your life? We've moved to Oak Ridge. We've collected um, a bunch of Funkos and... <laughs> hey. You've collected a bunch of Funkos and... <laughs> um, so he gets back to the U.S. He reads a book called La Planet... Planet... Planete? Planete? Mon Planetes? Like for the Greek word for Yeah, planets. but I think this is French or Spanish. Cool. Uh, Le Planete Mars by Camille Flammarion. Let me read. Let me look at your... Flammarion. Let me... Because we all know I'm great at languages. Camille Fla Flammarion. Hey, there you go. Flammarion. Um, so he reads that book. He, he is um, inspired by it. Mm -hmm. um, he also learns of Giovanni Seppervelli's Giovanni Seppervelli. I'm so sorry, Federico, but every time I'm going to do it and I will apologize. Um, where Seppervelli uh, uh, talks about the canali on Mars. He looked at, uh, yes. uh, looked at Mars through a telescope and he saw these lines and he called them canali. Canals? The, well, oh, canali, which just means channels in yes. Italian, I think. Mm -hmm. But it was mistranslated to canals. That's right. And that's what Percival Lowell read. That's right, because Americans are dumb. Uh, and then it was all this whole thing about like, oh, canals are made by people here on Earth. So that means that those yeah. could be made by aliens on Mars. Don't steal the thunder. Okay. Um, 1893, uh, 1894. So winter of, 80, of 93 and 94, mm -hmm. late 93, early 94. He used his immense wealth and influence and dedicated himself to astronomy. In fact, built the Lowell Observatory. In Flagstaff, Arizona. Wow, why? Well, I mean... We'll get to why. Oh, okay, okay. okay. We will get to why. I... In, in 1904, so 10 years later, he receives the pre-Jules Jansen Award from the Astronomical Society of France, which is their highest award. Um, wait, uh, wait, why is he so... Why do the French people like him so much? Um, it, uh, he, he received the award for contributions, basically, that he's made to astronomy. Oh, what did he, what We'll get to oh, it. Oh, okay. What, why are you wanting to jump ahead so? Well, I'm just, because it's. I said like... it's a brief biography. Oh, okay. <laughs> we only have one more event. Okay, okay. I'm like, I'm like, but what did he do? We'll get to that. I want to know. Um, uh, 
On November 12th, 1916, he died in Flagstaff, Arizona from a stroke. He was 61 years old. Young. He was um, a passionate pacifist. And so World War One affected him. Broke his heart. Broke his heart. But also at this point in the game, a lot of the stuff that he has believed has um, been kind of disproven. And so it just kind of contributed to his, his health oh. going downhill and Man. died of a stroke. And he's buried um, uh, on Mars Hill in, um, in a tomb at, at Flagstaff. Did we go at the see old, his tomb? We did. We, we, well, we went on the outside, I think. Okay. Okay. I don't remember it. I can't yeah. recall. All right. So. I'm, 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 always, I'm always down for a good tomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, let's talk about Percy Goes West. It's a nice Fievel reference. Brandon would appreciate that Fievel reference. Yeah, but it's also, um, and there's a chapter in Lord of the Rings where the ring goes south. Oh, so there's, so there's oh, well, that. okay, well, now, now we have to drink because you, uh, the ring goes south and Percy goes west. Percy goes west. He's going to hunt some planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. May 28, 1894, he opens the door, first light, to the Lowell Observatory. Ooh. Yes, and so he uh, he goes west. In fact, he goes to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is a couple of hours north, directly north, pretty much, of Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. go right up the I-17 from mm-hmm. Phoenix, run right into it. Um, he chose Flagstaff because it had an elevation of 7,000 feet. And few cloudy nights, and was far from city lights. Was like, uh, I guess he didn't want to go down. Was Kit Peak already? Uh... I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure. Uh, same kind of situation. Wait, there. few cloudy nights? Doesn't it snow a lot? It does snow a lot, but for. I guess he's higher. Well, yeah. I, um, so... I mean, you want to be a high elevation where it's cooler for a telescope, so. Yeah, and you get high up, and the atmosphere is a little more stable. And uh, in fact, Lowell Observatory is the first observatory in the entire world that was deliberately located in a remote place at high elevation. The first one to be deliberately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yeah. So they made the conscious choice to go yeah. on top of a mountain. That's the first one. It's the first one, and in fact, we still do it today. Mauna Kea, Kit that, Peak. Nobody else before him was like, nobody. hey, we should probably be high up and nope. remote. He was the first. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, he that... was the first. I didn't, know, I didn't know that either, to be honest, until we, I started doing yeah. research for it. And so he... Um, in the world? In the world, yes. <laughs> there may have been people who already lived on top of a mountain and put the telescope right, up there, right, but, but he I was just, the first okay, one I just that feel like... deliberately went... To a higher elevation. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's all you need it's for this podcast, right? It's the that blow my mind. I mean, but yeah, I mean, there has to be a first one, right? Yeah, somewhere, but it's just surprising but that that's the first that's the one. one. You would think it would be, I don't know, somewhere in probably Europe or something. Yeah, no, <laughs> Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, and I'm not even sure that that was on... The Lowell Observatory's website. I think I got that elsewhere. Really? Well, yeah. Lowell Observatory, take note. You've got to put that shit on your website. Put that in a little information packet. 
Yeah. Claim so, to fame right there. Forget <laughs> forget flutes. <laughs> so he builds this observatory um, on top of a mountain in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it's built to find proof, uh, to search for proof of intelli- intelligent life on Mars. Mm-hmm. Because Lowell was not the first person to see these lines going across yeah. Mars. Obviously, Schiaparelli mm-hmm. saw them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wants, he believed that it was, he, he hypothesized that the canals were built by an intelligent and advanced society that was desperate to bring water from the poles, mm-hmm. the ice mm-hmm. caps at the poles, mm-hmm. down to the dry, arid, desert deserty right, equator because that's area. what people would that's what we would do yeah and so he wanted to prove it and mm-hmm. so he spent the next 15 years um 1893 to 1908 making extensive drawings of what he thought were surface features of mars oh, wow he made the conscious effort to use smaller aperture telescopes instead of the bigger ones uh, because he felt like that gave him better views of the planet he was looking at, and that obviously was his downfall. Right, because you want bigger. You want the, bigger. The, the more light, the more you see, the better resolution. Yeah, you yeah, get. you want better resolution, and um, and so the bigger it is, it gives you, it gives you, it collects more light. So the the, the bigger the diameter, but also the focal length is what. Mm-hmm allows you to get that resolution mm-hmm. that, that you need that you okay. want and smaller telescopes really aren't going to do that for you yeah. on both both counts yeah and so they like got the big boys and big observatories at the top of the mountains yeah and so he um, and the even bigger boys in space so he did this uh with the smaller telescopes and um just extensively drew out mm-hmm. everything and he published three books in those 15 years, in 1895, a, just a book called Mars. Um, and was, what do you want to call it? Her, purse. Purse. What you want to call this? Mars. 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 Mars, Mars is fine. Mars is fine. Mars. Mars. Is that Mars? Mars rhymes? Mars. So he t- or to be Mars. Mars. Boston. Mars. Mars. It's called um, Mars, boys. We're calling it Mars. But, but is, is, it's a high society Boston accent, which I can't do. So it's... I don't know. <laughs> anyway, 1895, he, he publishes that book that has his drawings. Um, 11 years later, 1906, he expands the title and it becomes Mars and its Canals. Oh, okay. So that, um, that it's, got... Uh, the sequel, uh, not just Mars, Mars and the Canals. Yeah. Um, and then in 1908, two years later, Mars is the abode of life. Mars as the abode of life. Abode of life. The home of life? Mars is the home of life. All right, all right. I mean, he thought so anyway. It's like red Mars, blue Mars, green Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I know, right? <laughs> um, I was not expecting you to bring that reference in, but that was, uh, that was very good. Usually, it's me and Brandon that bring. I know because I don't read a lot of books. Um, all right, so he he does all these drawings and and releases these books and he makes detailed descriptions of what he called non-natural features. So it, here on Earth, they would be called man-made features. <laughs> um, and like I said... Or now we can call them human-made 
here and there. Yeah. Um, and like I said, he hypothesized that these canals, these features, mm-hmm. were built by intelligent um, life bringing water from the poles. Right. Right. Um, the problem is, most all astronomers couldn't see the features that Lowell was seeing. Really? Where, yeah. Was he drawing? <laughs> um, remember, he's using these smaller telescopes. Uh-huh. Pretty much everybody else is using these larger telescopes. Right. And so they're getting better views. Right, so they're not seeing... He's seeing, like, what, blurry details of mm-hmm. larger... They're not seeing it the same way because yeah. they have better equipment. <laughs> Right, exactly, and and we're gonna find that um, that Lowell is not making the really the best decisions, at least with Mars and Venus, because he's I gotta, he's gonna he's gonna look at Venus too, but um, he's not making the best decisions on what equipment to use. Right. Well, he's not a trained astronomer. No, it was mathematics. He's a mathematician that ran a cotton mill for some yeah. odd reason and then got some high uh, fellows award or whatever. Yeah, but um, uh, but he 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 was inspired right. by right. the work of other astronomers and, uh-huh. and things like that. If and Galileo can draw shit through his telescope, then I'll just look through mine and draw stuff too. Yeah, like, but Galileo interpreted things a little bit better than <laughs> what. First of all, all dead. But um, um, even though astronomers were not um, buying it, the general public, oh, yeah, humanity, we love aliens. Um, the the uh, the imagination of the public oh, was yeah. electrified by it. Yeah, aliens, can- canals yes. on Mars, like that's fun. Yeah, yeah we want to go for that. We don't want a boring, lifeless, barren, dusty planet. I know, right? And Mars is amazingly fascinated as a devoid, barren planet. But <laughs> and as we'll, as I'll mention later, um, it it inspired H. G. Wells' War of the Worlds. See, that's and so um, yeah. you know all of that, uh-huh, and so uh-huh. um, yeah, so he electrifies the public with his thoughts and his mm-hmm. drawings mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but astronomers weren't buying it. And um, the, the professionals were like, "All right." <laughs> and 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 by the time he he dies, it's pretty much been disproven. Right, right. But it doesn't officially become disproven until the 1960s when the Mariner spacecraft. Oh, when we past. actually have to send a spacecraft to Mars and go, yeah, there's no canals here. Yeah, no. Um, we got a close-up look, boys, and uh, nothing but dirt. Yeah, and holes in the ground. Yeah, but no, no canals, no canals. We got a real big canyon, though. Yeah, we, we got do. A real big canyon. Uh, named after a spacecraft, Mariner Valley. Um, but um, the canals were actually optical illusions. Um, you know, it's coming from, you know, the optics. Also, his then, choice of small telescopes. And, and what your eyes want them to be and, and interpret them as. And there, um, he actually is, There, there's a school of psychology that talks about, um, and I don't, I only knew this from research for this. Um, okay. Um, it's, it's called like, um, Gestalt, 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 yeah, um, um, school of psychology where, or thought of psychology theory or whatever it is, where humans, um, try to make, uh, these larger connections, um, with the, you'll see these lines 
and they try to make larger patterns that might not be there. Ah, uh, um, yes. And so, yes. Um, yes. So the optical illusion of of um, the equipment he's using and all of that, combined with just our wanting right. to make sense of yes. you know what looks like chaos, mm -hmm. um, contributed to. Sometimes our brains try to think too much. They they overthink it, um, <laughs> and so um, that is what contributed to all of that yeah all right so his first um his first thing um canals on mars goes down in flames eventually so let's let's continue Aww, Percy. Let's continue sorry buddy with other things he looked at a lot of people got shit wrong too <laughs> so he's over one he's over one right now um all right <laughs> all right so let's move on um he he's he's really famous for two things, a Mars, obviously, and his observatory. Mm -hmm. And while he's looking at Mars, he also decides that he wants to look at Venus. Well, that's nice, you know, a little yeah. a little uh, you know uh, quality for the fairer planet. Yeah, exactly. So in 1896, Lowell makes observations of Venus. Mm -hmm. Mid 1896, mm -hmm. when he did it. Yeah. For some reason, he decides to do this during the day. Um, and so, uh, he, instead of making his observations at night, he makes it during the day. Why? Um, I, maybe only he can answer that question. The sun is up during the day. Yeah. What do you... And so, he has this... How would you even find Venus during the day? Oh, you can do it. Um, when I worked at Melton Observatory, uh, and, I, and Melton has a connection just so tangentially um to this um um we could uh we could spot venus during the daytime okay okay well i mean I guess it, you know enough. where it is i mean i guess if you yeah. know, you know you, you know where it is you can just point the telescope at it yeah but pretty much exactly it, but you're not gonna all right so he's using a large 24 inch alvin clark and sons telescope this is the Melton Observatory connection. That Melton Observatory is the observatory at the University of South Carolina campus, which is where I worked. I worked at that observatory. Mm -hmm. um, we had an Alvin and Clark telescope. Um, it was 18 inches, um, not 24 inches, but um, and we had received it actually from Chicago. It, it came in. So we were using kind of the same equipment That's that cool. uh, Percy was. I guess Theodore got left out. I guess he did, yeah. No, it would be perfect with Alvin and Simon. Simon. It was yeah. Alvin and Simon telescope, but um, okay, so he so he wouldn't friggin' blind himself. Yeah, because it's daytime. And also to cut down on seeing the turbulence of the atmosphere because yeah, he's it's observing it daytime. in the daytime where the atmosphere <laughs> is receiving this energy from the sun yeah. and so it's very turbulent. He had to F stop it down. So he basically took it from two feet across, 24 inches, down to three inches. So but, it became a three-inch telescope. But, first of all, Mr. Lowell, uh, do you do not have any astronomer friends that you can talk to that can be like, here, here's how you use a telescope, and here's, <laughs> um, here's how telescopes work. <laughs> so he's looking at Venus in the daytime, basically through a three-inch telescope. And what, you're, you're seeing what? Nothing. I'll, what are you what seeing? He's going to see stuff. 
And it's not what you're expecting. Okay. So, um, he he observes spokes on Venus. Spokes? Like spokes. Like spokes in like, like a lines. Okay. Yeah. And, and also a dark spot on Venus. Again, no other astronomers can see these things. He attributed it to the surface. What to be fair though. They didn't. They didn't quite no. know. And so, um, Venus, what, uh, no matter what telescope you use to look at Venus, that we normal you're people You're not seeing use, the surface of Venus. You're not seeing the surface. You're seeing the clouds. You need some um, radar it's, imaging. It's, it's pretty featureless. Yeah. You need extremely large telescopes. And F-stopping a, a 24 down to a 3 is not a large telescope no. at this point. It, I just want to jump in real fast. We were watching Jeopardy, and Venus was uh, the answer to one of the questions. But they sh- it was a and it was an image, uh, a picture question. But they showed a picture of Venus through radar imaging, uh, and we knew it. Of course, immediately we we're like Venus. But then they, the radar they imaging. Say Mars? Yeah, yeah. Someone said Mars. The radar imaging totally fucked them up because they weren't expecting. Yeah, uh, and they were you expecting know, more Venus looking with the its cloud cover. And and to be fair though, I mean it, it does have that radar. Afterwards, I was like, oh, that was tricky, Jeopardy. That was a tricky that, one. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? The Magellan Magellan yeah, data. Um, yeah, it does look. They it's colored kind of this reddish orange, um, and so with like yellow, yellow for, like for the, the volcanoes and stuff, and and, stuff, yeah. and so it looks very, it looks Marsish in a way. Yeah. So, um, oh, where am I? Okay, so he observes these uh, what he calls spokes and his dark spot on Venus. Mm-hmm. So, stopping the telescope down, um, taking it from twenty four inches to three inches. Uh, may have inadvertently created what is called, and I just cannot say this, ophthalmoscope. Um, it is actually something a the people who do your eyes, opto- optometry. Opto- yeah. yeah, those dudes. Um, what they use to look in your eyes. And Lowell was actually observing the shadow of his blood vessels cast it's, upon his that's own what eyes, retina. That's what happens when, like, I look through telescopes sometimes. I'm, like, seeing my own, like, I'm, like, seeing my eyelashes or I'm, uh, I'm seeing, like, some part of my, like, eyeball or whatever. Yeah. So he's seeing his own eye he's back seen, at it. Oh, yeah. First of but all. This is, this is a recent understanding of what he was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took about a hundred years, 110 years for, um, people to really kind of figure it out. It was, it was like around 2006 <laughs> that, uh, that they were able to go, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. This is probably uh, what he, at least, uh, at least no one, he never, he, ne- he didn't have to find out he was looking at his own eye because that's just <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, I mean, it really is. It really is. So uh, that's a wave to Brandon who can't hear us, but he can't see us he either. Wishes the podcast. Wait, can he, see us? he can't. He can see us. He can't hear us, but he wishes oh. the podcast be fruitful and that the listeners profit. I don't, the listeners aren't profiting from anything other than knowledge. So, Percy, over two. Oh no! Yes. Oh, but we have a third thing. <sighs> we have a third thing he tried to do: the search for Planet X. Yes. All right. Oh, so, boy. Um, oh boy, everybody tries to search for Planet X, and and all right. So, obviously, 
Percival Lowell himself is going to strike out on this. But, and so he's going to go over three. Well, uh, oh, you know what? Let's give but, him the ben- Let's give him one point for having the first goddamn observatory built on a mountain oh, purposefully. Let's oh, give yeah. him that. Oh, oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. wait till you get to his legacy. So, okay, okay, okay. Um, um, and so, yeah. So I forgot what I was going to say. I don't know, but Planet X were right um, <laughs> in that direction. All right, so. In 1906, and when he starts looking for Planet X, okay. we, we already know that um, Uranus and Neptune, they seem to have this kind of... They, they aren't kind of where they're supposed to be. Right, they're doing a little weird. Um, and, so, um, and so the thought was is that there was a planet, massive planet, pulling on it. This was this is not unprecedented. Yeah, that's because uh, with Uranus, yeah. Uranus was not where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. There had to be something pulling on it. Mm-hmm. Turned out it was Neptune, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. so um, the same thought process was going on with this. And so um, um, Percival Lowell starts to look for it and Planet X, and, and he, he is a mathematician. He is a mathematician. Um, he employs. Human computers, which I just absolutely love. Human computers. Human computers. That um, are they women? Yes, they are for the most part always, always women. Um, Elizabeth Williams um, was the human computer that uh, mm-hmm. that led the other human computers, um, but they were uh, their obviously their main job was to calculate to compute. Right. So where they're mathematicians. Yes. Uh, where they would be. Um, and so so they did that. So the search is on. Um, and in fact, for the next 10 years until his death, he's looking for Planet X. Um, among other things. But he's, he's really kind of concentrating on Planet X. Um, and in fact, in 1915, Lowell, Percival Lowell photographs Pluto. He photographs it. But he thinks it's a star, and so he doesn't realize. I mean, it's it a is common. I mean, that is a you know that's a common mistake. That's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Easy to think it's a star. You know, you just yep. need that uh, a lot of observational data to then see. The, oh shit! Wait, the star's moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, star should be moving this fast. And so, 1915, he photographs it, but he doesn't realize what it is, and. Um, and he, you know, kind of just move, moves on, um, get that, get that little bug. Um, he moves on, um, from there. Um, 1930, obviously. God, tax by Nance. Um, well, the next year, obviously, um, um, Percival Lowell dies and, um, um, a decade and a half later, Clyde Tombaugh discovers Pluto using the telescopes. Resting Pluto, Percival. <laughs> yeah. But to honor Percival Lowell, mm-hmm. um, the, the symbol that was chosen for Pluto um, is a combination of the P and the L for Percival Lowell. Oh, that's right. That's right. And also P and L for Pluto. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so in the end... Um, uh, the Lowell Observatory gets its planet. Um, and Percival Lowell. And if Percival Lowell were alive. It's nothing. <laughs> in 1930, he would 
Um, uh, he was saying there's plenty of nights we have discovered. Well, would he nights. or would have Clyde still have? Uh, Clyde Tombaugh still have found it. He Even didn't. if Percival Lowell was alive, wouldn't Clyde Tombaugh still? Oh yeah, I mean it? Clyde would have. Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know that that's kind of hard to say, but oh, um, okay. Um, because because Percival Lowell did not hire Clyde Tombaugh. Um, oh. And so. Um, oh, Clyde Tombaugh came after Percival Lowell. Yeah. He died. Yes. He came on after he died. Yes. Okay. In cool. fact, I think. I think uh, Clyde Tombaugh came around twenty nine thirty somewhere around, you know. And when did Percival Lowell die again? Nineteen sixteen. Oh, that's a while. That's a gap. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I forgot what I'm going to say. That's just the way of, the way it is today. I just keep forgetting what I'm going to say. Um, yeah, but you know, let, let's talk about his legacy a little bit. Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. So. Um, if, if Percival Lowell were alive in 1930 when they found Pluto, mm-hmm. uh, discovered it, he would have said this is Planet X. Um, obviously, as time goes by mm-hmm. um, and we learn more, mm-hmm. uh, we realize that Pluto is not Planet no, X. It, it doesn't, doesn't have, have the mass. Gravity, the yeah, mass. Yeah, it doesn't have, have the mass to tug on a fucking beast like Neptune. But, Uranus. Yeah, I know, but we actually could not prove that until 1978. Um, we had to discover, um, its moon Charon, Charon, uh, what, however you want to pronounce it. I think it's like Charon, I don't know. We had, we had to find its moon. In 1978, we find, we find its moon, and from that orbital dynamic, we're able to get the mass definitively for Pluto, and we realize it's nowhere near it. No, but it's kind of cool because Pluto and Charon are like, a double planet, basically. They orbit. Their center of gravity is in between both of them, basically. Right. They're a binary. They're a binary planetary system, planet. which is really kind of cool. But even combined, they can't yeah. budge Neptune and Uranus. Those big yeah. boys. Even, even <laughs> if you add in, Pluto's what the size of uh, the U.S. in diameter. It, no, if, if if you put Pluto on the U.S., it would go from New York to the Mississippi. Right. Oh, okay. So it's half the half the U.S. Half the U.S. Okay. Our moon is bigger. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, in fact, if you take the mass of Pluto and its five moons and add them together, they have no effect on Uranus or Neptune. Just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and so um, it was only relatively recently. Um, <laughs> but what's Pluto's GDP? <laughs> Uh, it was only relatively recently that, um, oh no, it was Voyager, when Voyager flew past. Um, so that discrepancy um, had to do with the fact that we didn't actually know the mass of Neptune and Uranus. Um, and we did not get the the true mass of those two until, until Voyager. Voyager flew past them. Uh, okay. um, and then once the true mass was known... Um, we, we thought we knew back in 1906, but we, we didn't. We knew a lot of things. We still do. Um, but once that, uh, once that uh, those masses were, were known, the discrepancies went away. Oh, okay. So, but um, there's still a hunt for Planet X out there. They, well, yeah, because when you look at some of these other objects, mm-hmm. they, have, um, they have some strange uh, orbital characteristics mm-hmm. that can only be described um, or... 
Yeah, it can only be uh, explained if you have a large, a large planet, planet X somewhere, somewhere out there. Beyond, beyond. Exactly. So planet X is still kind of a thing. Um, and you know what? Take a drink. Dogs. You know what? I'll I'll give him this. I'll give him I'll give him Planet X. Uh, he goes one for three. You'll uh, give him Planet X. I'll, I'll give him Planet X because there was a, he 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 saw Pluto. He did. He did see it. it but it's he one did. of those. I you know I Something can't I, would do. I cannot believe I'm doing baseball references and it's one of those things where he like swings at the ball and he just barely hits the ball and it's like. It just kind of dribbles out onto the uh, infield, and he's able to get a base hit out of it. That's that's kind of what it is. Um, so Brandon will know all about that. So. <laughs> oh no, Brandon's upset with baseball right now. Uh, baseball. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about his legacy. Yes. All right. Um, on April 9th, nineteen oh seven, he discovers asteroid seven ninety three Arizona. So discovers an asteroid. I think that's cool. Yeah. That's something. That is something. And um, um, this is about the only way I can describe it. The Great Populizer. Um, Wait, what's the Great Populizer? Lowell's. Lowell's the Great Populizer? Yeah. So even though most of his work was disproven, he is regarded as the most influential populizer of planetary science in in America before Carl Sagan. Because of the aliens. Um, aliens and, and all of that. Really? Yeah. There's nobody else that was really, huh? Um, he influenced science fiction. Well, So H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, Mm -hmm. his canals that he so fervently believed in figure prominently in The Gods of War, uh, 1918, um, by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Red Planet by Robert Heinlein in 1949. And the Martian Chronicles by Ray Ray Bradbury in 1950, and so his his he really influenced um, these 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 writers, and you know, which then just fires the imagination of the public even more. Right, right. Uh, Brandon says science communication was looked down on until probably late Sagan. Probably because no one was ever real good at it until Sagan came around and made it fun to listen to yeah. and hear about and relatable and made it so that it wasn't just all science jargony talk and, and math equations. Yeah, and, and you know, scientists <laughs> probably thought, you know, that's beneath them. Uh, that's true. Oh, these peons of the general public, yeah. these, these laymans, they don't, they won't understand the science. Beneath them, not worthy of their efforts. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Hmm. And look, we have a uh, a lot of dumb people out there today because science wasn't properly communicated. Yeah, I mean, gotten into people's uh, people imagine, didn't get excited about science. Imagine if science were revered as much as militaries, you know, or I was if, say baseball again. <laughs> if scientists were revered as much or more as than the Kardashians, yeah. Exactly, or you know, Shayla titans Swift. of industry, or generals in 
armies. Oh yeah, like the all the freaking well, the musks and the schwabs and the yeah, and that's not to say and, the... and that's not to say that some of these titans of industry aren't innovative. No, because they... most of them are robber barons, but some of them <laughs> yeah. are okay. Like uh, who's well, the who's no, no, the no, no, I, no. You can still be a robber baron and still be innovative. Um, you know, no, no. Who was the philanthropic Carne- Carnegie? He Carnegie. was the more philanthropic. 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 Whatever the word is. Whatever languages. I don't, don't know. Blame it on the drinks. Whatever. Anyway, um, there are objects and features named for Lowell in the in the solar system. Well, yeah, there should be. Is there something Ast- on Mars? We'll get there. Asteroid eighteen eighty six Lowell, discovered by Henry Gickless and Robert. Schlada. Gickless? Gickless. G-I-C-L-S. Oh, that's... It's close. It's, it's like close. You can still take it there in middle school. <laughs> yep. That's why I it's laugh. Right. That's why I laugh. Gosh. Because I'm in middle school. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gickless. Gickless. Anyway, uh, that was discovered in 1949. Um, and he named it after Lowell instead of himself? Yeah. Themselves? Yeah, yeah. 1849 Um, Kickless? Crater Lowell, both on the moon and Mars. So there's two craters named for him. One on the moon, one on Mars. Just named Lowell? Yeah. Don't you have to have some... All right. I don't know. Well, I guess there's multiple, like, Mount Dooms, so... Yeah, and then we have the Lowell Reggio on Pluto, discovered by New Horizons in 2015. Ah, yes. Yes. There better be stuff named for a Lowell on Pluto. (laughs) I know, right? You know? (laughs) And um, Tom Bob, to be fair. Um, he is responsible for um, hiring Vesto Slipper, who... I'm sorry, let's say this name again. Vesto Slipper, who Vesto actually... Vesto Slipper? Yeah. Sounds like some like villain name okay. out of a Bond movie. Okay. Um, we can have a whole show on him uh, sounds like alone. Sh- sounds like let a me, shot Let me just tell you a few things uh-huh. that Mr. Slipper did. Okay. Um, he showed the infrared that the infrared spectrum could be recorded using photographic emulsions or film, uh, photographic film. He did that in 1909. Okay. Okay. So oh. basically, able to take infrared pictures of ghosts. Okay. Um, Brandon said he thought it was slifer. What did I say? Slifer. Oh, slifer. Yeah, slifer. Um, he showed that planets had ammonia and methane in their atmosphere. Um, he used spe- spectroscopy to investigate the rotational periods of planets and the composition of planetary atmospheres. He was the first to observe the shift of spectral lines of galaxies. In, in other words, he discovered the galactic redshift in 1912. Why, did, why haven't I heard of him? I don't know. He <laughs> measured the speeds in which spiral nebulae travel. He did that from 1912 and onward. In fact, uh, Wes's face, Hubble... Um, Rely. I mean, he leaned on him quite a bit. Hubble uh, leaned on Vesto. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he. Of course, I mean, Hubble did his measurements too, but uh, that was a whole decade later. Um, and so, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Slifer had already um, discovered it. Oh, so. Um, but but he didn't make the the larger connection. He he believed. That these spiral nebulae. So there, at this time, there's this big debate. Yeah. What are these spiral it, nebulae? Are they inside of our galaxy? Is it a great debate? It's a great debate. 
are they inside of our galaxy or are they outside? Um, and he believed they were outside, and he, he showed that they were actually moving away from us. Um, he made the first discovery of the rotation of a spiral galaxy uh, using spectroscopy. He discovered the sodium layer. And if you don't know the sodium layer, the sodium layer is about 50 miles above the surface of the Earth. Um, so it's part of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And it is where Things the sodium... Things get salty. Okay. okay. Um, it, um, it's sodium compounds, and they come from the vaporization of meteors. That's oh, where the sodium okay. comes from. Um, he also hired Clyde Tombaugh. Um, but Vesta uh, was hired by Percival Lowell. Oh. So, but his legacy continues today because the Lowell Observatory continues with astronomical research. Wow, okay. Yeah, so, you know, he, he, you know, he struck out on a couple things. But let's be honest, there's... There's a lot of physicists and astronomers and scientists His who strike heart. out. His heart was in the right place. Well, but His heart was in the right place. Yeah, he and, tried. and you know, we are, we are kind of making fun of it a little bit. No, I will not. <laughs> uh, Brandon says, Henry Gickless was a great master debater. Well, you misspelled his name, but okay. I thought it was Gickless. It is, but it's G-I-C-L-A-S. Well, I mean. Yeah. Um, anyway. Master it, debater. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so we, I mean, we're kind of making fun a little bit, but he, the Lowell Observatory um, inspired the public. Um, he inspired the public. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, the whole Venus thing is a little bit funny, um, to be honest. Um, Something I would do. But he really was trying to just prove, um, he was trying to prove that, uh, you know, um, that there was life. He was trying to explain what he was seeing. Mm -hmm. um, he could have made better choices. He could have talked to somebody who knows how to use a telescope, for one thing, which is ironic that the Lowell Observatory is an, a great place for astronomical research with good and properly used telescopes. In fact, they just opened with that new Discovery Telescope uh, last year, a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, now, and they still have, I think, Lowell's original telescope or, like, the observatory, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, so with, without and and most importantly though, most importantly for Lowell, is he provided us with kind of the blueprint on how we do make uh, observatories now. Mm -hmm. We do put them high up yeah. where the atmosphere yeah, is is stable. Um, and so you know his his legacy, sure, is something that we can kind of laugh about in places, mm -hmm. um, but it's a but without Lowell, we don't have what we have today. Mm -hmm. We don't have that understanding of, you know, galactic redshifts. That was done at the Lowell Observatory. Mm -hmm. And then Hubble... By investor Slipher. Slipher, yeah. And so uh, Hubble leans on Vesto um, and, and all that. But, but Vesto could not have done it if Lowell had not hired him 
to come out west because mm-hmm. I think uh, Vesto is from Indiana or oh, Illinois. Oh, I, I thought it says Clyde Tomba hired. Oh, yeah, he Vesto hired, hired Vesto Clyde Tomba. Clyde Tomba um, probably would not have been hired. Yeah. Sure, they would have probably had somebody else find yeah. him. But, um, um, yeah, and so the legacy of Percival Lowell mm-hmm. continues today. I mean, he has. A, how many people have a legacy? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, because history books and stuff, but, you know, I mean, out of all the people that's ever lived on this pale blue dot, uh, not a lot have legacies. Shoulders of Giants, Brandon's right in chat, Shoulders of Giants. Shoulders and I guess, of Giants. You know, uh, Lowell, I would say, is like a mini giant, you know, he's a giant, it's just a mini, a, a, a mini giant. He's one rung in a giant ladder. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I, you, you had... You have to have people like Lowell. Mm-hmm. Um, that ha- come from great wealth to build observatories where they want to build them. It would be really nice. <laughs> it would be really nice if we had more people like this. Um, more people using their money for the betterment of the world and for the advancement of our, our knowledge. And uh, civilization to boldly go where no oh, one wow. has gone. You're going to pull it all out, aren't you? Before. Yeah. It'd be great. Or it wasn't for just personal gain and how many yachts you can have and how many cars you could just fling into space randomly. Yeah, it'd be cool. Anyway, that's our look at Percival Law. <laughs> go to Flagstaff, Arizona. If you're go if you're going in that direction, if you're planning a trip, if you want to go to a cool observatory, check out the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff. We've been there. Um, and it's really cool. They have a whole, like, they have, like, this whole little, like, planet walk. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're very much on the Pluto should be a planet train, but, you yeah, know, we'll whatever. That whatever. But, yeah, um, we'll, we'll hang you, over that You shit. actually see, um, the, was it the blink comparator, whatever they call it, where, um, you can actually see it flip between the pictures that Clyde That show, used, that oh, show this Pluto is not, can't be a star because it's clearly, mm-hmm. stars aren't going to move that much. Um, we're not going to notice that. Uh, so it's a really cool place to visit. So, uh, go check it out. Flagstaff, Arizona, if you're in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can also head over to Meteor Crater. But that's our look at Percival Lowell. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, check us out on all the things. Check, uh, hang out with us for, uh, I'm going to call it the shot, but that's not it. Hangover. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we'll see you in two weeks where we talk about, we have a high in the sky for December. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, guys. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you in two weeks. Cheers.